I'm very thankful to be here with you brothers and sisters this morning. And uh, I'm learning to appreciate this a little bit more. It's a sad thing that we only appreciate things when they're gone or under threat of being gone, and we often don't take full advantage of the blessings we have when we have them. But this morning, we have the blessing of being together around God's open word, and let's be fully present and let the Holy Spirit's presence speak to us. I have a number of different scriptures I wanted to, to think upon. First one's found in Malachi. That's the very last chapter, last book of the Old Testament, second last chapter of it. Uh, guess you could say this is coming to a time where people start thinking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is a passage that spoke about the coming of the Messiah, but not perhaps in the way you would expect. So starting at the beginning of chapter 3, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. There is this anticipation of the Jewish people for their Messiah, who they think will improve their lives and give them hope. But he's coming, but his coming will not be in the way they expect. It will not be in the time they expect. And in verse 2 we read, But who may abide, who will endure the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. A fuller was someone who who uh, cleaned clothes uh, for a living, and they had very strong chemicals, I guess, that would, uh, would be able to get that dirt removed and to make something clean. It was a abrasive and uh, uh, process. And a fire, we also are very familiar with how a fire refines metal. In verse 3, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. And I'll finish uh, maybe with that verse. Um, th- this this verse uh, is actually burned into my memory from the, the singing of the Messiah. I'm glad uh, one of my children has been playing that in the house and re- refreshing my memory of not only the majestic music, but these words of the uh, scripture didn't pick just ones maybe that we're familiar with, but even from this passage, that he shall purify the sons of Levi. And the imagery here being one of a fire. A fire that um, has a redemptive purpose, uh, a redemptive purpose through a painful process. 
And we see an expectation of the Jewish people being fulfilled as God always does in ways that we don't anticipate, ways that accomplish far more but go deeper, are not interested in superficial solutions, but something that gets at the heart. Using an imagery here of of, of refining of silver, you're probably familiar with with the, the, the process. We've preached on it many times, but you've got to heat that up to get that dross up to the surface to skim it off until you can kind of see your reflection, then you know. And it's, it's something that, that's done with great tenderness and attention to get to just to that point. This imagery of fire. Last Sunday, Brother Phil Denzinger preached at the last sermon in our church for a while. We don't know when we'll be able to reopen in Toronto. And he preached on the enabling fire of the Holy Spirit. But this imagery of fire has this double, double sense. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where we read now in the New Testament the same imagery and how it's applied to us, the body of Christ. Now, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is specifically addressing the issue of the Corinthians seem to be rejecting his leadership. They seem to be like really into someone who is more articulate, sophisticated, or at least came across more sophisticated than he did. And he's addressing their superficial desire for the itching of their ears. But there's a principle here that I think very much applies to us. So let's, uh, let's begin, uh, with verse nine here. For we, this is, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse nine, for we are laborers together. This is whether it's be Apollos or Paul or any minister who's building on the house of God. We are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, his, his farmer's field, if you will. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that it is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, which he shall build thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not. That ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. We are going to go through fire. This church is going to go through fire. In the process of that fire, some things are going to endure, become even more beautiful 
in the process. Other things are going to be exposed as the false things they are. And this is, can be applied to the body of Christ, which is specifically being addressed here, the church. And it's speaking to the sons of Levi, those who are in a position of authority and responsibility. They need to be very careful what they are building because it's going to be tested. But each one of us, we know the Bible says that we are a kingdom, we are a royal priesthood, that each one of us has a responsibility. We no longer delegate things to the priests, but each of us has a relationship with the Lord that we need to mediate to those around us, God's presence. And so each of us is building. The foundation is critical. The cornerstone is critical. Critical as First uh, Peter 2 also speaks about the one cornerstone and we're all living stones building up this living temple. Once again, this, this invocation that the church is, that contains the presence of God. But how we build on that one foundation is critical. Of course, the wrong foundation There is no hope. But even if we're on the right foundation, even if we have the right doctrine, even if we have the right heritage, even if we have the right God in whom we place our trust, how we build is important because it's going to be tested. And I'm not just talking about some theoretical thing. We've gone through a lockdown in the spring, and Toronto's already in lockdown, and and I'm not... A prophet. This morning uh, we did hear in Revelations 19 that uh, prophecy is actually the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I am prophesying this morning and I'm speaking to you of the true foundation. But I'm not going to predict that this church is going to go into lockdown, but I think it's pretty, pretty uh, much a statistical probability with the way things are going. And we know that in lockdown, we are isolated from each other physically. We don't have this opportunity to gain, come together and to worship face to face. We don't, and, and there's lots of opportunity to spend time that we are saving from our commuting and from our communication. And how we spend that time is how we build. And whether we are going to spend that time self-focused, because it's easy, there's not this kind of built-in accountability, it's easy to, to spend that time on, on perhaps things that make us feel good in the moment. Or to, to, to be rather self-focused than other-focused. To be building the body of Christ. There are, we know due to this um, current crisis we're in, there's a lot of, a lot of young people that are caught up in unwholesome entertainment. And it's destructive 
soul-destroying effect. There are those who are caught up in the rabbit holes of various conspiracy theories and, and, and finding themselves totally drawn in and alienated and, uh, and, and caught in a spirit of fear. And the Lord is, this word says that we're not given a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a strong mind, a sound mind. And, and so, this is a, a test. And this tests your true priorities. Now that you don't have this external accountability, we, we, we don't have perhaps this form and we find out, was I really relying on this form to keep me in a godly path? Now that the form's taken away, what shape is my personal worship of God? How true is it? It's going to be tested, it's going to be revealed, the day of the Lord will reveal it. The purifying, refining fire will reveal the character of my Christianity. Is it, I am here, I see you, I smile, I greet you. But when I am by myself, am I worshiping the Lord and do I love you? Am I going to initiate not only the prayer, the communication, the, the, the awareness of your needs and, and the, the banding together as the body of Christ? Because, you know, this isn't the first time that churches have been closed down. This is not the first time in history that this has happened. Our own fathers have gone through that process as they were true to their convictions in the Second World War. And, you know, I know the stories my parents tell me. And they were tested. And we know 20% of Christianity, a good uh, 500 million or so, are this day being tested throughout the planet, whether it be by uh, atheistic communism by uh, radical Islamic or even as we are seeing in this you know through through increasingly secular society they're facing they're unable to worship freely and their lives and the livelihood are being threatened and this happened in the Bible too we we, we kind of pick up and in Malachi, that God's not happy with the state of, 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 of Israel. But uh, let's, let's turn to, to Jeremiah chapter 7 and see a particular issue that he had with So we're Jeremiah chapter 7. seven. Jeremiah is now pre-exile. The people of God are dealing with a lot of... Um, they're, they're really attracted by their people around them. They're picking up on their ways, specifically their, their idolatry. They're trusting in false gods to give them uh, what they need and the security and prosperity. And yet they've got this form of godliness... 
And this is what God is really upset with here. He's saying the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord and stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim this word. Hear the word of the Lord, ye of Judah, that enter in these gates to worship the Lord. They're coming to God's house. They're coming to worship God. This is a good thing, right? Why is he admonishing them? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if ye truly amend your ways and your doings, if ye truly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt. Then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. You see, the people of God said, this is the temple. We're in the temple. We have this physical reminder of God's presence. And they trusted that we must be God's people. We have God's house. We're okay. And if my life outside of this house slides into moral gray areas and I abuse my power and I take advantage of people for financial gain and uh, I trust in other things other than God, I'm still here. I'm at the temple of God. And if I, I'm, I can have confidence in that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is that foundation. He is that cornerstone. This form of worship that we're experiencing right now is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the fact that we have a building that we've invested a lot of money in it is not guaranteed to be here. And we cannot put our confidence in this external form of worship because it can change. We need to have something deeper. The brother this morning was talking about revelations again, how, how the men of this world are going to uh, run into the dens of the, of, of the hills, the rocks, and talking about how the, the modern, you know, equivalent, today's equivalent uh, fulfillment of that, you know, may well be the, the uh, military tunnels beneath mountains, um, you know, the Rockies and NORAD. And in fact, I was with my family in North Bay. You didn't know that in Canada, we've got our own bunker under, I don't know, 60 feet of, of, of rock or so on. We've, we've got these holes that we've prepared in case of uh, nuclear conflict. That, you know, someone's going to survive and be able to, and, you know, Revelations there in chapter 6 is just showing how vain our confidence in, in concrete and rock is going to be when Jesus rips that all open and every knee will bow. Now, we know this time of perhaps persecution, we know this is going to come. How do we prepare ourselves? We may not be building our bunkers in the backyard with lots of, you know, canned food. 
Uh, but we need to be building on the rock of Jesus Christ. We know that that is what's going to endure. And we need to not be wedded to particular forms, but to a particular person. Because it's a living body. Why are we here this morning? If I can use great plainness of speech, we did we come to church? Did we come to do church? Or are we the church? Because the building is going to go. It's gone for us. This form of doing church is going to go. It's going to have to, to change. But if are we the church, the church that is built on the solid rock and that is connected to one another through the love of God? And is that love going to manifest itself when we don't have this format, but when it's just you and your computer, when it's just you and your free time, is that, go- is that fire and that testing going to reveal a true heart of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ with how we invest our time and, and our worship? Is it going to show a true commitment to one another? It's good. There's going to be lots of different ways to do that. God has called different members in his body. You, he will reveal to you how you can minister to the body with the gifts and the opportunities and the resources he's given you. But rest assured that your heart is going to be revealed whether you take advantage of those, those leading of the Holy Spirit or not. If you look at the dictionary, those are the definitions it gives you. The building first, the form of worship second. But we know that that's not. The Greek word is ecclesia. Ecclesia being called out. We are called by the Lord Jesus Christ. Out from a corrupt world system to be distinct from them, as Second Corinthians makes very clear, that we are not sucked in to destruction in God's judgment with them. Reading from Ephesians 2, verse 18, For through him, that's Jesus Christ, we both have access whether Greek or Jew, by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of, and the, of the household of God and are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, we're not talking about this building, in whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation. The building has a purpose. Purpose isn't 
to look good. The purpose is to actually house the very presence of God and habitation of God through the Spirit. Now we come back to that fire. Fire that needs to burn away the things in our lives that are to no profit, the things that look good but are empty inside. We had a windstorm, I think, last week, and, and a whole bunch of trees came down on my property, profit, property about maybe six or seven, and, and you think, oh, good, I got some firewood, and you cut into it, and, and, and the heartwood is all rotten. No wonder they fell down. They were tested and found wanting. Even though they looked good on the outside, you couldn't tell. The, the, the church has gone through persecution. We've got these wonderful stories. We see throughout time, you know, the Tertullian is often quoted, I remember, by Brother Bob Freund, you know, the blood of the church is the seed grain of the church. The, the blood of the saints is the seed grain of the church. How the church flourished in times of persecution. And from this point of view, 2,000 years later, it, 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 it's an incredible story of God's amazing power that through this helpless uh, a band of, of believers you know, withstood the might of the Roman Empire and grew to, to become the dominant religion of, of, of today and changed civilization. It's an incredible story. But when you actually go into the time and you're actually there, you see not everybody was part of that victory. Not everybody survived the fire. Not everybody was prepared. There were those who crumbled under the pressure. Those who gave in and says, okay, I'll, I'll worship to Caesar. Just save my stuff. Save my family. Save my life. Spare me the pain. And so my, my, my sober warning is, Jesus will be victorious. Jesus will reign. Those who are going to be true to him will experience the power of the Holy Spirit. They will rise above and God will do exploits, as we read in the Old Testament, through them. But you and I, we have a choice whether we're going to be part of that and whether we are prepared. Whether our roots go deep down to the living water. Whether we have relied on the temple, the temple, or whether we have the spirit of the living God within us that makes us the temple, that makes us the temple. Whether we have a relationship and we have the, the relational networks and that are strong enough to endure when the pressure is on, when we are physically isolated, will we be spiritually isolated? Will we be emotionally isolated? Will we take the initiative to maintain the bonds to, as the Zion's harp says, to draw love's sacred cord? Only he can be a brother. Whether, whether we are, are at our heart 
alive with our connection through the Lord to each other, that this church will thrive. It can and will. God's promises are sure, are yea and amen. Jesus Christ will be victorious. You and I need to be fitly framed. I, you couldn't get a piece of paper in between those rocks on the temple. They were fit. Let's make sure there's nothing that can get between you and I and that foundation and each other. We won't allow the, 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 the outrage and, the, and, and the, the, the misinformation that is swirling around us to, 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 to divide us. Not to distract us. To get us focused on the wrong fight. Because we need to make sure that connection is strong. That we will be the precious stones, the jewels, the refined silver. And that the fire of the Holy Spirit, those tongues of fire. There's a song I, I really liked. I sang it to one of my kids every night when they went to bed. I don't think they understood. But it meant a lot to me. Let me read this one verse. Calvary's love can heal the spirit. Life has crushed and cast aside. And redeem till heaven's promise. Fills with joy one's empty eyes. The pain, the fear, this world is crying out. There are empty eyes, empty of hope, because they don't have a rock, and they know they're standing on sinking sand. They feel crushed and cast aside. They feel no inherent worth. There is none in their beliefs. So desire to tell his his story of a love that loved enough to die. Burns away all other passions. That's the part that always just stuck to me. Burns away all other passions. And fed by Calvary's love, becomes a fire. 